Well, hello and welcome to the latest Historics Auction Vodcast. I'm Vicky Butler-Henderson. To my right is auction expert Matthew Priddy. And to my left is YouTube darling Tom Exton. <laughs> and we are here at the Vista Heritage Centre. The auction is being set up around us, so there's a lot of noise and movement. So first of all, apologies for that. And then a quick run-through of what we've got coming up. We have got the best of British. We look at some desirable and not-so-desirable British-built machines. I quiz the boys' knowledge on all things British. We look at fast Fords and are they still going strong? And if a car has got a royal connection, how much longer does that add to the price? Are we ready to go? Correct, yes. <laughs> right. Tom... Hello. When I say best of British, what do you think about? What springs to mind? Range Rover. Oh, okay. I, d I d don't know about best, but British. Yeah. <laughs> something made in Germany, is it? <laughs> well, this is the thing. When does something become best of British? Because does it have to have a British owner or does it have to be built in Britain? See, it's, it's brands versus the actual mechanics, isn't it? So obviously everything's changed recently and all the best British brands have all been snuffled up and they're owned by manufacturers from all over the world and they're making use of it. Range Rover, Aston Martin. Mini. Mini the whole lot. Yeah. So for me, to be breast of British, you've got to be made in Britain. You've got to be a full British brand. So when you say full British brand then, you mean just made in Britain but not quite have a parent who's British? Yeah, so I think that puts it back to classics and makes, oh. and there's only a few then. Because obviously once you get to this modern stuff, it, don't get me wrong, it's a British brand. The reason why it's cool is because it's ultra cool. The reason why you know, Aston Martin's so called is because of James Bond, it's that Britishness that yeah. sells them. The reason why BMW bought, built minis is because everyone wants the cool mini. Yeah. But it's not really, is it? Underpinnings, it's just a foreign car with a British brand. So to me, to be best of British, it's got yeah. to be made here, a British brand, and nothing to do with anyone else outside of these <laughs> <laughs> Conversely, for me, mm. I'm the opposite. I'm a sucker for marketing, sucker for branding. <laughs> uh, if it's got British branding on it and it's a British brand, there could be nothing British in it whatsoever. I still like so it. We just need a badge for you. I'm a complete muppet, basically, <laughs> when it comes to that. Do you know, when it comes to oil, like for cooking oil, there's a brand that's got a, a British flag on it, and I buy it because it's got the British flag on it. We're the same. Suck it in, straight away. <laughs> but it is a large part of what works, isn't it? Because obviously, if you look at a Range Rover, and, and Range Rovers are the, the prime example of people buying because they're a British car, mm. and people flock to it because it's just seen as that sort of gentleman's version of a luxury car but but why but is it any better yes perhaps because people are spending a lot of money on when they now. work yeah because you know as we as my father always says you know land rovers jaguars they've all got the same thing of sense of wanting to go home which is why they always break down <laughs> oh that's um, quite sweet so like a, like a a Labrador yes. with, a, with a broken leg. Yes, it just wants to go home. That's what it is. That's why they put warranties on them. That's a leash. <laughs> but yeah, I think everyone's seduced by it, isn't it? It's the, mm. why, it's the reason why car manufacturers spend so much money on this marketing. And we live in the UK, so we obviously really get it. But it obviously works across the whole of the world. And people will cover a British car. Um, so, But for me, no. If it's a proper British car, it was built here. Something like, uh, you know, Austin Healy's and, and oh, yeah. you know, and even, yeah. you know, the older Aston Martins, the, the, the hand-built cars that were built properly here. That's a bit more British. Yeah. And then you've got these, these smaller uh, manufacturers that have cropped up, which is very British. You know, the sort of shed builds, you know, this the Aventa that we've got here, which was, you know, just 
someone's thought of an idea, they've designed it, oh sod it, we'll throw something from there. For, I mean, it's a V8 engine probably from the States, and, but it's done here, it's done in our very British way. So this is a two-seater Avanta, and yes. that Ant Anstead has been yes. involved with. Who... Kevlar bodied, yep. sounds incredible. We had it here a couple of weeks back when Tom oh. didn't bother to turn up. <laughs> yeah, where I'm were you? I'm a busy you? guy, mate, honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to make something up on the spot, but I just couldn't be bothered. But it didn't it make sound it a amazing, cake. it was in here, with, there was nothing else in here. And it, oh, it sounded like, it sounded incredible, very lightweight. Yeah, and really but that, that sort of thing I love is that's very yeah. British too, isn't it? Well, this I think this is very um, good. The, one of the reasons why we're here at Bister Heritage because dotted around this old um, sort of war airfield yeah. are lots of little cottage industries mm. of people engineering or mechanics or m maintenance. There's a gin shop. A, Brewery yes. shop, there's all sorts here, which is lovely. Proper British. I was asking industry. if we could do the podcast in the gin shop, oh, yeah. but I thought a bit early. Oh. <laughs> in a distillery at nine o'clock, it's dangerous, isn't it? Um, if you were given the option of SUVs from Japan, Germany, and Britain, mm. where would you go and why? I'd just go Range Rover, I'm afraid. And it, I just what, keep saying Range Rover, that's all I'm going to say on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I, I just love them. I just think they're fantastic. I think they're a true British uh, institution. I think they're an icon, you know, and they're not without their foibles. I, I, like, they've been made all over the, by all sorts of people throughout their entire life, apart from the first ones that I think were fully British. Were they not? I don't know. Yep. Yeah. And then they start to be made by all sorts of people, BMW, whoever, and they've just been pretty unreliable and useless from there on in. So yet, I don't think the Brit, I think the Brits actually did the best job of the Range Rover. Yes. And I think since they've been moving it around and they've yeah. just been falling apart since. But I think they've got such a strong brand that if that was any other brand building SUVs that had that reliability record, no one would buy them. But it's just such a strong brand and there's such an institution. People like myself just keep coming back and absolutely yeah. love them. So well, I've, I've had one for uh, 10, yes. 15 years, so yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. But my mum, my mum and dad had one. So it is something sort of, it's like putting on a nice comfy coat, isn't it? I love it. It's like my front room. Yeah. In fact, I'd rather be in my Range Rover than my front room. My, my front room's a tip. <laughs> but yeah, love it. So um, there's a suffix D here. And oh, you, yeah. In very much that, that's when they were really properly built. Yeah. They, but they were very robust. The idea was it was a luxury car you could still wash out. Yeah. What Things year is the suffix D one? Oh, you're going to ask me questions. I think, no, no, it's... Should we have, should we have a quick look? Let's have a quick look. Yes, there you go. And a lovely historic... Catalogue, but yeah, it's fully restored. I think it's 70, 80,000 pounds worth of restoration work. Wow. It is I think stunning. I saw that driving around when I came in. Yes. Lovely bit of kit. It's a 75, 1975. 1975? Oh. Yes, lot 209. It is absolutely oh. stunning. And that was back when, and um, to my point, when they were properly built. But you're right, at that point they were quite robust. And uh, But then in the same sense that we still buy or see people buying the old Defenders. Because yes. they are so incredibly popular yeah. and probably yeah. going up price again. What's so the money on that? That's that is on. lovely, isn't it? Wow. Is, isn't it? So that's 62 to 78, okay. which is less, by some shot, less than it would have cost to get to that condition. Yeah. We'll have yeah. a look at it later. It's yeah. absolutely stunning. Um, TVRs is another classic British company. That also breaks down, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a trend here, isn't there? <laughs> and we have got a couple of TVRs. In this one, in particular, a Griffiths, which has taken my, my eye, five litre V8. Wow. And I always used to say about t any TVR, it's just a chassis with a V8 engine and mm. you just strap yourself in and have a hoot. There's, there's not really any sophistication about them. They're just, just <laughs> fun and unashamed 
fun. I find it amazing that it was ever deemed sort of a, a full manufacturer because it's still everyone you get. This is this is isn't this you know a shed business because of the way they're built, but unbelievable fun, frightening yeah. fun, especially the ones where you couldn't figure out how to get yourself out of the car. Yes, there. I can't remember. Was is it we the Griffiths or the Cerbera? I can't remember. The Cerbera where and they. Ha- yeah. You didn't know where the button to let you out the doors Don't were. try and wedge me in one later. I've got no <laughs> idea. I, I can see the clocks yeah. wearing and thinking we're going to shut yeah, them in yes. one. And it was quite, it got quite warm, that engine, so also a fire risk yeah. was something you wouldn't know how to press the door button. I so. think you, you ended up having to press a little, a really tiny little button up yeah. somewhere to do with the now door the, mirror or something. The trick is always know where the uh, sort of relief pulley is because it was also operated by battery. But this was in oh, the 90s when everything oh, didn't really no. work. So yeah. it was a push button under the mirror yeah open up the door and inside was a button that was hidden because that's what tvr did at that time the interiors were amazing but imagine the, the designer going i know let's just trick everyone in here this will be such a wheeze you can get in you can't get out <laughs> they should have used that as a tagline so what would be your favorite of all time british car this is a standard question but come on in what first comes to mind and if i say to you you're not allowed to say range rover yeah ah, you stymied me there um <laughs> E-type. E-type. Oh, yeah. The I E-type saw one on the way, actually. It is a Did bit you? of the go-to, isn't it? Is that or the DB5, many people? Oh, yeah. But then you can also say, well, you know, what's the most famous? You've got the Mini. Mini. Mini with a Union Jack somewhere on it. Yeah. Mark 1 Mini, so. Yeah. So your favourite would be a Mini? Oh, I think the instant icon would be a Mini hmm. with Twiggy in the 60s. Mm-hmm. That, I think would be my instant I think the, the general consensus sports cars wise E-Type is the one that flies the flag yeah mm. um, just because everyone knows it then you've got the Aston Martin for the DB5 just because of the yeah. James Bond yeah exactly and then obviously Mini is just the most populous one that we yeah. all remember yeah. but they are the stalwarts of collections so when you speak to people with larger collections most will have or have had one if not all three of those yes and yeah, Mini is always a good one because they pop in the corner it yeah, doesn't take much space mm. and it's very easy to look after yeah could have given that this they're going to be everywhere there's lovely mark ones everywhere they would go up to fifty thousand pounds wow wow, it's incredible isn't it yeah i'm thinking about other british things if a car has got a royal connection to it what happens to the price yes so we've we've sold a few in the past i remember i remember so it was a good very fun day actually we had an old daimler a bit like the old jaguar saloons that the queen was photographed and having had used it so it was part of the royal procession at some time and there was even silly little things in the back, like there was actually a place for her to put her handbag, bless that. her. And, um, and then there would be other strange buttons around for certain mic configurations, and presumably it could obviously talk to the cars in front and behind. And I, I recall quite a funny conversation with the, the client at the time, and we said, well, we need to take some photos realistically. We're near Windsor, where, we, where head, headquarters are, so we said, well, we'll take some pictures around Windsor. This is not really allowed without permission. So what we do is drive up the, up the high street, park it up front, duck we'll get out quickly and take some photos <laughs> and uh, with a bit of luck no one will tell us off so exactly what we did drove up Windsor High Street and sort of did a quick turn right out front across the high street right in front of the castle he ducked down we jumped out and got three or four pictures <laughs> before very quickly someone with a gun turned up exactly. got off with his head yeah, exactly so we did that but that from a car that would have realistically been worth three or four thousand pounds mm-hmm. because because someone of significance had actually owned it and been pictured in it I think it made right up to 20 30,000 pounds wow, wow, um, wow that said I mean bear in mind there's a lots of cars that the royal family do own yes and yeah. you know with the funeral yesterday you'll notice that you know Jaguar Land Rover supply them with lots yeah. and lots and yeah. lots so it's not as easy as saying they're all worth a certain amount of money 
her old Land Rovers are quite keenly sought after. The ones from Balmoral, especially because it was a real favourite of hers, oh, Land Rovers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, you never really see the the big um, Rolls Royce Bentleys and so on come back to market. They're very closely guarded. Bentley yes, just yeah. did a new limousine. I don't know if you saw that in the procession. Mm. There was two of them in that amazing yeah. burgundy colour. Yeah. Um, um, amazingly, yeah, Charles seems to favour, which I quite like, the older um, yes. Bentley. He does seem to favour that mm. one. Um, but presumably the, the more modern one is slightly easier to jump in and out of and keep yeah. yourself cool because obviously they won't that regalia. But the price-wise, yes, if it's if it's genuinely one of the significant royals, king, queen, one of the princes, and it's been used well, it will always have an uplift. And incidentally, and you'll probably remember this only for a couple of weeks ago, an auction sold an auction sold a carved diet lady Diana's. Yes, the black escort. an absolutely yeah. stunning amount of money. Yeah. And, and I know that we... We've seen the Audi 80 of hers sell well over many years. Mm. The first time I've seen the was it an RS Turbo? Yeah. Yeah. And it was astronomical. Yeah. Right? So there's there's still that provenance link. It's very difficult to put price on provenance, and I've sold this to many clients. You can't necessarily put price to it. But if you price the car well and the provenance is well well sought out, it's just going to go through the roof. We have a car in this auction, don't we? That's got a, a tenuous tenuous link. link. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the irony is we we can sign this six weeks ago it was a Daimler DS 420 so quite often used as carriage cars when you see the processions and it was used in the the crown the Netflix series the crown TV show yeah that'll do it yeah <laughs> uh, which is all about the Royal Family it's quite good I've watched it and this car was one of the cars you've got a little video showing which car it was ah. and and of course just by chance this is all transpired so news agencies calling us asking about it but it's a tenuous link but possibly see a little bit more money just based on the fact that people have that fondness for the Royal Cars. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But then, on your Range Rover topic, I mean, that is pretty much all you see them in now. It's Range yeah, Rover, I mean, Range Rover. Good Rover. marketing. But honestly, yeah. that was that was all. I mean, it wasn't all I was thinking, but a large chunk of it. I was looking at the cars. I was thinking that Another is one. a yep. real thing for JLR. Yep. And the actual, I think the actual hearse was, a, was a some sort of Jag, Jaguar, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. also supply all the cars for the Windsor Horse Show. Oh yes. They're very well connected with yeah. that. There was that Mercedes. You know the original Mercedes that ferried her out of um, Balmoral. Balmoral. The E Class. Yeah. I mean. I think it's I mean, there are German links in the royal family, so I guess it's kind of some sort of something there. I think there's not as much thought put into it as you can. I know that when she's in Belf, when sorry, the king was in Belfast, for instance, he was in an armoured BMW. Mm. Um, but it, so it's not quite like this, uh, the Beast, oh, which yes. the US president has. That comes across literally in a plane, and I mean, he will only ever be in the Beast. The carbon footprint on that. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't think we're quite as mad with that in this country, no. but you know they do tend to stick to their specific cars for dignitary area. Now, you mentioned Princess Diana's RS. Mm. We have a con massive congratulations to say to you for predicting last auction's success with a Focus RS, a Kermit yes. green one, yes. doubled its original money. Yes, which we sort of tongue-in-cheek thought it might, but it shows I do know a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, but a little bit. Yeah, doubled its money. So it? how much did it go for in the end? Was it 50 grand it almost? It was just shy of 50,000 yeah. pounds. Wow. It was right. an incredible amount of money. Oh, and the irony is we've got another Hermit Green Focus RS in this sale. More miles, but low owner, immaculate, absolutely stunning again. And also I know someone that recently has been in the market for one. <gasps> Don't look at me. <laughs> It's me. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm done. Yeah, it's me. I was very lucky enough to buy a Ford Focus RS Heritage, mm -hmm. which was sort of the last run out in orange, only 50 made. So I, I had that and then... It's kind of orange? 
very similar yeah. yes very similar but then I had to let that one go and so I've been needing to have up that popping banging noise when I drop the kids off at school just at very essential. low mileage so I've, I have actually now got, got you know, another one scratch the itch another one oh, you bought, I was going to say yeah, can you so bid on your own thing can you I bang know, the hammer and bid and the, exactly, cause handle I'm, yourself exactly because I'm, I'm up on the rostrum uh, at the weekend no <laughs> can I not <laughs> hmm Right, um, well then, all eyes then on this one for yes. to and see how it goes. As you can see, it's, we're, we're a bit truncated for time this time around because we couldn't work yesterday, so it is all, all go, but it's a fabulous venue, isn't it? Oh yes, this is this is really good fun, really this, good this fun. This hangar is, I mean, it's, it's strange because Vista's all about that feel, and the ultimate feel comes from it sort of not being over... Yeah, it's not glossy. Up. It's not no. glossy, no. but it works, doesn't it? It's yeah. that industrial feel that actually, strangely, people now try and pay to get back. Yes, it's just yeah. it. So I think if this was a second-hand car, this hangar would be have great patina. Yes, yes, patina is the word. Estate agent talk. So yeah, it's it's set up really well. All cars inside. We're getting the red carpet down now. Let's see that. So uh, 165 lots, is it? So and lots of motorbikes as well. There is. Yes. Yeah. yeah there's a whole collection of motorbikes, which yeah. I'm sure you'll have a quick look at later. I know. Well, a Suzuki GSXR 750 has kind of got my name on it. <laughs> but anyway, um, time for a quiz. I think. Are you ready? Oh, good. So Tom's this usually, is Tom's usually great with these. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> right. This is our best of British quiz. Okay, and we are obviously pretty much in the heart of heart of the UK, heart of Britain, heart of British, heart of, heart of England, maybe Oxfordshire. Would you say that? Close enough. Close, yeah, but exactly. Everyone else will tell us we're wrong. Yeah, the risk of offending no. everyone. Yep. <laughs> best, best place in Britain. I didn't say best. <laughs> right. Which motorsport and advanced engineering group is based just 16 miles north of here? Alpine F1. No, it's not I mean, potentially, but no, that's not, not British, are they? Not, they not are <laughs> Pro driver up the M40. Yes! Yes? Yes. You always notice them when you're driving up. I exactly. Do driving. Yeah. Pro driver on the M40, just look left on your way there north, you yep. and there they are. Yeah. Oh, number two. Pro drive ran a team in the inaugural Extreme E Championship last year, but for which British person? Oh, God, now you've got me. Hamilton's got an extreme ET. Oh, oh, I was going to say. Yes. yes. Is that true? Yes. That's not right. That was so designed for you, that well question. Well done, Perfect. Tom. Perfect. What was Lewis Hamilton's first road car? Ooh, was it British? Oh, you know what? I've seen something on this before. I've got no idea. It's, British it's car, really it? worth a guess. Ford Fiesta. British. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to go now. Yes, it was a mini. It was a mini. A mini yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Can you imagine what you could do in a mini now? Well, what, how I'd much that mini that. would be worth? Yeah. Oh, yes. Where is that, that mini? There's some provenance, isn't it? Surely. I bet his. I bet his father's got. That oh, he's probably away. got. Yeah, exactly. His father's he's got probably, a bit of a, yeah. He loves a bit of his classic cars. Oh. I bet he's got that tucked away. I have to get hold of him. I saw them, out. but it's a complete tangent. I actually saw them arriving at Silverstone for the British F1, and they arrived in a C63, not the Black Series, the 507. Oh. And I thought that's a really oh, cool thing yeah. to know. Not a, not a new one. Yeah. Anyway, that's completely irrelevant. No, it's lovely. That's my no, input. That's it. Well, <laughs> great. Keep, keep, keep inputting. <laughs> Which car is made 20 miles south of here? South of here, British built car. No. Really worth a guess. Really just worth a guess. 
Minis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Oxford branch. Yes. Of yeah, yeah. Bravo. Thanks. See. So next one, just, just mini. First yeah, 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 just say anything. Okay, um, there are TVRs in this September auction, but why was TVR originally called TVR? What does it stand for? Definitely silence. Mini? <laughs> <laughs> Worth a shot. Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. No? No. It's okay. short for Trevor. TVR Trevor and the, the the chap who is the founding owner is Trevor Wilkinson and that's where it came from. Trevor. Yeah. Trevor. That's yeah. the most unglamorous it, name for a, I will never look at a TVR the same way. Yeah. Do you know what? That's, in all these years I've never come across that. I've never thought about I've been written it before in a prelim and not really thought got my head yeah. around it. But I remember I did a big TVR special when I worked on Top Gear and I remember the first time sort of looking through the archives and everything and going, it's named after Trevor. <laughs> Look, hello to any Trevor out there. We love your name. It's a good name. It's it does sort really of it does sort of ring through with some of the sort of the ways it's, it's Trevor in a shed, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. really <laughs> what I said. And they just sort of marketed it. We're talking about just marketed it. Yeah, like yeah. manufacturer. Yeah, we've ordered. Someone's ordered another one. Get what's a that, get a cup of tea on the go. They, they, they were building a new Trevor, weren't they? Oh, and then it kind of like comes up, and then it's like almost going to launch a car, and then nothing happens, and then it's owned by a conglomerate. I'm now, always amazed that they don't rekindle these brands mm. more often. I think it's, there's probably legalities around it, because why not be able yeah. to just buy a brand and associate it with your new car? Because ultimately mm. it's easier, isn't it, than creating a whole new yeah. strange name. Yeah, or David, Day Tommaso have done that. Yeah. And that new thing's unbelievable. So yeah, I think someone tried it with TBR, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that it will mm. burst out. Because I've got so much, I have got a lot Come of on. love for TBR. Imagine a new Austin Healy. Well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's just straight away, money. Yeah. yeah. Straight in. Just you know, it, it doesn't have to even work. People buy it, so why not? Yeah. Just <laughs> stay true to the original. Yeah. Just don't make it in Germany. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, go off on that tangent again. Final question in my British quiz. TVRs <laughs> have held racing championships over the years. They raced Tuscans in particular. Oh my gosh! In the 90s, they were phenomenal, thunderous mm. racing machines. Um, I digress. But what is the name of the racing colour of the UK? What British racing green? Absolutely superb. Is that the right answer? Also, they're too easy. Have I got this completely wrong? And on a colour chart, uh, marks another extra mark if you get the actual number of the colour chart. (laughs) You went from the easiest question in the world to the most ridiculous. Yeah. That's 42. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> we should have been closest to pin. <laughs> it's uh, hashtag 004225 in case anyone oh, is interested. I was going to say that. Yeah. See, I had 002446. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thomas, mm-hmm. what is going on in the world of the Exton at the moment? What are you looking at? What have you just bought? Um, I, I'm actually, I'm actually selling, and and yeah, I've, I'm getting out of a couple of things. Um, Are you allowed I'm, to indulge? Yeah, I'm, I'm, buy, I'm buying a new gaff, and I've realised I can't oh. really afford it, which is, that, yeah, it's growing getting up. old. It's growing up fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I've decided I need it like an actual house rather than just little bits and bobs all over the like place. A, like a small room above garages. Basically, is yeah. what I've been yeah. living in yeah. around the place, uh, living out of a backpack. So I decided mm-hmm. be sensible. And um, so I've just sold my Testarossa, oh. which I think was really interesting actually because it went online and it went within 12 hours. 
it was snapfall. Did you not get that thing of like, oh my god, if I sold it too cheap? Yeah, well, I thought oh, I, might, I should have put another 10, 20 grand on the price because obviously it's too cheap. Um, That's why you should have come to auction. Maybe. I should have done, but uh, I'm in a little bit of a rush because uh, I've completely <laughs> screwed up my finances. Um, Maybe ask what the money was for the Testarossa? Uh, the dealer sold area. it. Um, 160 odd. Okay. But it is a mono mono classique, blah blah blah. You want one? It's got more paperwork than I do I remember had. when you bought that, and I told you how such a good buy that was. And again, I might. But frustratingly, I know that if I sit in that for another three to five years, yes. there'll be another 50 to 100 grand on that, minimum. Yeah. But I just have to realise some cash now, so that's annoying. Uh, didn't use it though, um, and I'm selling my manual merch Largo as well, oh, which I've also you? been told I'm a moron for selling. So mm. that's not online and ready to go yet, but that'll be... From a classic perspective, yeah, both of those cars have got legs. Oh, no. They really have, mm. and it's, just, it's oh. about holding on for another sort of five, it's ten years. It's tough though, isn't it? Because ultimately, cash flow. Yeah, it's cash flow problem. Mm. If you've got all the money in the world, you can afford to sit on these things, mm. and suddenly they're worth fortunes. But the regular Joe, there's usually the reason why you can't have them. It is part of, it's, it's your money locked in that car. Yeah. Oh well, so no buying. Sorry, that's, no, no, that's no, very that's disappointing. Fine. But I will be early next year. I'm going to be back on the horse, being irresponsible <laughs> and complete moron. Probably try and buy those cars back wherever they are. Yeah, exactly. And have you got any closer to buying a 911? Which, no, I've got which to the, Tom and I really I think that you well, need I to done get. That yet. Do you know Hurry what? Up. To the point of Dom in the office, Tom and I said, if you, uh, you know, I'm going to buy you a bloody 911 <laughs> just so you stop. <laughs> we should have a whip around here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just bored, and I said, I know. I really got closer the other day with a 997. Um, oh, lovely! Yeah, because I sort of I just fancied something. It was it was relatively cheap, and I can't. I keep going round and round in circles. The idea of daily driving it and then not daily driving it, and then da- and so that's my bigger. I can't come over. What I, shall I just go and get a really nice daily driver and bin the idea of the 911? Do mm. I buy a cheaper 911, try and daily drive for the year, probably hate it and regret it, or do I buy one and tuck it away? So probably nothing will happen, and I'll keep talking about it until Don buys me one. That's well, then perfect. Then, if, then if he's Dom. in the mood for buying cars, I, I'd like something out of Don. So we'll have a chat with him after yeah. this because I've got if I, just, if I just keep saying it, he's going to. I'm so annoyed. Just buy one. Oh, and any other business that anyone wants to discuss, bring to the table. Hmm. What have you? What have you? Have you quick through? What, what do you fancy here? What, what takes you? What floats your boat? There's. There's a Gordini, Renault Gordini Mark yes. One. Oh my god. I use the word in the catalogue that's rare as hen's teeth, yes. which is something my dad used to say. <laughs> but it is, <laughs> you find one. It's not, so it's a Mark One, so non turbo <gasps> Gordini. Have you seen the seats? Yeah. Oh, they're amazing. They're, that's a real. Oh, just beautifully looked after bit of kit. That for me, because I'm a hot hatch mm-hmm. lover. And those little wheels. Oh, yeah. yeah. But that one's been sort of sympathetically restored. So it's been, it's been really, it's as original, yeah. but really well looked after. Yeah. So it's about as good as you're going to find one because they wouldn't last. Yeah. Um, mainly because they were sort of French. cardboard thin. <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a crash, you may as well have just been in a oh, paper airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well but that's bike. why they were so oh. much fun, because they were just nothing. So light. I mean, the, yeah. the later, when you get really late onto the Renault 5 turbos at the time, and it was up against RS turbo, and I'm thinking, this is a death trap. Yeah. An absolute Perfect. death trap. Yeah. Brilliant, let's get in. <laughs> the Uno turbos. They, they, yes. Every manufacturer was punting out yeah. death traps. It was great. Yeah. You, when was the last time you saw a Uno turbo? I haven't for years. Me, no, I was having a discussion. And Punto GT with the 1.4 oh, yeah. turbo in it. None of them around. They've all gone bang. Yeah. They must be the rarest cars on earth. They've just yeah. rusted, they've gone bang, well, or exactly. just no use. And because they've never really, until probably now, someone going, oh, I'd love one of those. Uh, too late. They've, yeah. all, they've all just gone. I did have a look. There's some in Europe, Uno oh, turbos, because I'd love one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, My mum used to have a Fiat Uno, just as completely digress. And she used to pick us up from school. Uh, and there was about nine children in it. And there was <laughs> yeah. one particularly steep hill to get home called Pierce's Hill. Quite often we'd have to stop at the bottom, let three or four children out. We'd give them something. Yeah. It was a little one-litre thing. My dad just kept going with, you know, like... 
gaffer tape and oh nothing else. Perfect. But we always said, oh, mum, can't we just get the turbo? Oh. Be able to get up that hill. Oh, so sweet. Never happened. Oh, love it. So I've, I've got a real hunkering, and because I keep mentioning Austin Healy, a bit like you with Range Rovers, there's a beautiful Austin Healy over there. Oh, sort yeah. of a Le Mans spec, fast road engine. Uh, it's a, I think it's about sort of, what was the price? I did write it down, yeah, 58, 68. It's quite a lot of money for a big engine Healy, but it is epic yeah i'd love that i'd love yeah. to do that and we spoke about the north coast north coast 500 um the scottish road um, with dan in our podcast last time and that would be spot oh, on yes absolutely spot on because you'd yes. have to work for it you really would have to work for yeah. it you'd know you'd done it yeah and it'd be rewarding to come out and look at it every morning yeah and then you'd put it away at the end of it and go okay thank goodness that for again. that <laughs> <laughs> i never want to see that car yes. ever again oh exactly i quite like the slr or the 599 oh yeah yeah. I drove the SLR recently, my uh, latest production. Yes, yes. Yeah. You did too, um, yes. Yeah, because I, I got an SLS, so I was quite interested in seeing the difference between the two. Um, there are some similarities, but there aren't really any The engine noise is still something else in there. Just that whirring, yeah. supercharging. V8 with, the, with, a, with a wine sounds on like top. a turbine in your ear. It's fantastic. It's bonkers. Yeah. And they're going to be good news in the future. Yeah. Goldwing doors. Oh, great. Oh, great. Mega. Anywho. Awesome. Well, thank you very much indeed, boys. Thank you. Um, some, maybe some social tags for us, if anyone wants to watch further. Where can they do that? They can do that on this YouTube channel, if you're watching on the, on the camera here. Uh, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And there are also uh, all the cars you see behind us. There are little video um, yeah. details that go on on those, which yeah. are fantastic. And also follow on Instagram as well, because a lot of the lots before the auctions will get put up on there. So you get a sneak preek. Sneak preek? <laughs> I can't sneaky talk. Peek. Sneaky peek of the cars <laughs> before they go up for auction. Um, and also the next auction, the last one of the year, mm -hmm. is at Brooklands. So Ooh. that is happening on November the 26th. Yes, Mercedes-Benz Brooklands. I do like it there. It's nice and warm that time of the year. <laughs> almost, and I, it still threatened to take me out on around that track. Out oh, yes, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do donuts. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they'll let us. <laughs> it's up to Ed. He'll get onto that. Yeah, totally. Uh, right. Thank you so much, Matthew, Tom, and from me, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>